Hey guys, this is Mackenzie Mason from Halo 4. I play Cortana, and you are listening to Sci-Fi Diner. You are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows. Here are your Here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our infancy boots, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Well, then put the cow away, would you? Where's this place? It's a free show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 153. I am one of your immaculate hosts here tonight, Scott Herzog, and with me is... Um, after that, I'm just Miles P. McLaughlin. <laughs> He's just, but I'm telling you what, you will never find a better chef, more knowledgeable chef, more creative chef than Miles. We like to think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner. We're going to be summing up tons of great conversation. And I just wanted to check to see that we had the recording started. And we did. That's, that's awesome. It, it's, always, it's always better when we're actually recording. Boy, I think I just whizzed out. Did you hear that? It's kind of cracked. I'm going to try and not speak so loud, but it looks like I'm peeking a little bit. So okay, I better, uh, better uh, be careful. I'm not hearing it. Oh, uh, yeah. It's my delicate ears. No, I'm just kidding. Um, well, Miles, how in the heck are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, Walking Dead has come back, and uh, that 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 was just fantastic. But we'll talk about more about that in our listening feedback show. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about it in our show tonight because rumors had it the ratings were smashed. The ra- ratings were killer. It yeah. was killer rating. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest; I haven't seen it yet, but we can totally spoil it because that doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't had time. I'm caught up on Fringe, and I did watch Arrow. Oh, and, okay. Um, did you watch Arrow? I did. I'll be curious to see what you thought. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, let's listen to feedback show, which is going to air before this. So you probably heard my thoughts and Miles' thoughts about it. So right. In the future, Miles, we will be discussing it. But for you guys, it'll be in the past. So, but that's kind of what I've been into. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, reading goes, I am uh, working my way through the Shannara series, the uh, first king, our high king of Shannara. And I just downloaded Robopocalypse. Oh, you know where you know ro- the the robots rise up and take over. Interesting. So it's being made in a movie in a few years, a year or two. And I saw the book in a bookshelf. I was at this little, you know, bookshop, and I saw it. and I almost picked it up, and I mm-hmm. said, oh, "I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait." Now I'm running a lot, so I'm going to listen to it. I'm, I may have to check it out myself. Yeah, but I'm going to be honest. Those are the only two TV shows. So all these other shows, like mm. I'm behind on. I haven't. Haven't finished Warehouse 13. Haven't finished. I'm not up with Alphas. I haven't watched the last Doctor Who episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it's just, it's terrible. Walking Dead, I'm out. I'm just, I'm behind. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm running outside too much. You know, it used to be that I would get in the treadmill. I would watch these shows in the treadmill, but I'm not running inside anymore. Yeah, I can see where it's. Yeah, and so it's a little bit more difficult to put the, you know, hook up the iPad in front of you and be running out in the road. It 
Probably not very safe. No, no, mm-hmm. definitely not. Definitely not. Well, uh, what else is going on? We talked about a few of the shows you're watching. Any yeah. other shows that we didn't mention here? Oh, yeah. Uh, Re- Revolution. Oh, uh, I forgot about Revolution. Uh, That's right. Rev- uh, Love and Revolution. Um, Love and Fringe. Um, yeah, occasionally, I go back to Stargate or Stargate Atlantis and watch an episode of that. I, that that show still has a lot of rewatchability for me, and I'm enjoying a Star Trek novel right now. Well, you know, Stargate Atlantis is very rewatchable because, after all, we saw uh, what uh, Beckett, you know, on Fringe this past week. That, uh, that I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. That was my Fringe quote of the week was one of his quotes. Oh, good. And I kept referring to him as, you know, Dr. Beckett. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but anyways, well, welcome. We have a great menu that we've kind of cooked up tonight. Miles, you and I just got off a phenomenal interview with Mackenzie Mason. Right. If you haven't heard her name, it's not because you don't know who she's going to be playing. Right. She, she plays the beautiful, the sexy, I guess, Cortana mm-hmm. from Halo. Right. And she will be in Halo 4, which launches November 6th. Cannot wait to share this interview with you. Mm-hmm. And that's just great. And w- I'm sure this will just be a springboard for her for other projects. Right. Well, the, I guess there's three Halo video games that will be coming out in the next couple of years, and mm-hmm. she'll be in each of those. Mm-hmm. And who knows? That's uh, and, uh, and she certainly has a really good look. I think she, 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 she looks good for the part. Yeah. As Miles would say, she's not hard in the eyes. No, <laughs> absolutely, positively not. Not hard in the eyes. So, mm-hmm. but uh, we're going to bring that to you tonight, Miles. What else do we have? Well, in in um, TV in TV news, we have um, uh, we talked about last night's uh, Walking last evening's uh, Walking Dead ratings. Um, so, the rumor of the day: uh, possible Firefly animated series. We'll see. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Did you say Firefly? Because, I mean, haven't we been hearing about all sorts of sequels and, oh, there's a reunion? Uh, I'm just kind of... I know, I know, but um, it, it made the news, and so we're going to report it. But, uh, you know, as long as there's a thread of hope, Firefly fans will be there. Oh, th- true. Now, we have a Defiance trailer, which which uh, is coming out next year. And in movie news, um, the RoboCop movie has been delayed. We'll talk about more about that. We have a James Bond uh, Skyfall trailer. And in this week's twist, uh, so not a huge surprise, but Will Wheaton and LeVar Burton are going to guest star again on Big Bang Theory. And our Sci-Fi 505 is brought to us from Wayne and Dan from the, uh, uh, the, the Fringe uh, cast, um, talking about the, the top five Philip K. Dick stories. Yeah, I think it's just Wayne, but, you know, we can include Dan in That's fine. Okay. And we're giving away our trivia tonight, right? We are Finally... Giving- Finally, someone has risen to the challenge and has earned a piece of Kate Mongrew. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll be announcing the winner to that uh, in this show also. Absolutely. Well, talking about the winner of that, why don't we go ahead and announce that winner and kind of shamble on in our podcast? Okay. So uh, give us a trivia. We had this past month and a half, it feels like. Well, we asked a question, and that didn't get a lot of responses. So, so we made it really easy. We, we said, look, yeah. you know, if you want this, just let us know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically it, right? And uh, and so go ahead. What was the question that we kind of asked here? We just asked you why are you why are you a huge Kate Mulgrew or or Captain uh, you know Captain Catherine Janeway fan? Yeah, they had a code word intrepid, which of course was appropriate with Voyager. And right. We had we had a couple of submissions come in, and mm-hmm. and um, 
And I don't know, should we read all of them? We, I, I kind of I got rid of the other ones. We'll just read what the one that won here. And the, the, the guy that won was who? Uh, the winner is Ken. Yeah, so Ken Warfold mm-hmm. won this. And here's why he wanted to win Kate Mulgrew. And we just kind of picked mm-hmm. names at random. So, mm-hmm. uh, But he won. He said, he said this. If it's not too late, I would like to submit myself to receive the Kate Mulgrew Prize giveaway. My wife and I have followed her since she played Mrs. Columbo back in the late 70s. In 1979, I think. That was the show that got us hooked on her. Watched her all through Star Trek Voyager and today, thanks to Warehouse 13. So as you can see, we've been Kate Mulgrew fans for a very long time. I won this prize, but just kept forgetting to enter when I would get back to the computer. Thanks for all the time you take to create the, to create the great content and get interviews I would never get a chance to do on my own. Love your shows. Keep them coming. Uh, if I do win, here's the info to get it to me, and I won't read that in the air. But no. <laughs> but he'll get tons of fan mail. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, so Mrs. Columbo, did you did you watch her as Mrs. Columbo? I did not watch Mrs. Columbo. I mean, I was you know, this was late '70s, so I, 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 that show would have. You been, were a wee little lad. I was a wee little lad. That would not have been something I'd be watching. And <laughs> nothing that you'd be in a Buck Rogers, more like a Star Wars, more like Galactic, Battlestar yeah. Galactica. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But well, uh, you sound like you know you're definitely a fan of uh, Kate Mulgrews. So yeah. and absolutely. So congratulations! Clap, 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 clap. You uh, you have gotten this prize, and we will send it out to you sometime. I have the envelope, but we should fill them out now so we don't forget to send it. But all right, well, let's move into our first promo tonight, and we have straight from the studios in California, from Wayne Studios, a new promo for Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Now, you're up in Fringe, Miles, right? Uh, Oh, yes, most definitely. Phenomenal season so far, isn't it? Uh, I'm really liking it. I'm really enjoying it. I have a little bit of problem with the fact that you're using this really old tech to kind of communicate these deep secrets to Walter. Beta videos. Yeah, Yeah. beta videos. Come on. But this is Walter we're talking Uh, about. It is Walter and nostalgia, right? Right. But uh, whatever. We'll talk more about that on the listener feedback episode. But on this episode, we're going to share a promo for uh, Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. This is a limited podcast because when Fridge is gone, uh, the show will probably they'll probably stop doing the show. But yeah. so, but make sure that you tune in for these last couple episodes. They do a great job at reviewing the show, giving the Fringe, uh, giving the I give the, I, I contribute to the show as a Fringe quote of the week. A lot of great feedback and discussion and theories that would just blow your mind. Mm. So here is a promo for Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. Wayne Henderson here, and I am excited to have three of the top Fringe Division agents with us today, so... Since we're here, we might as well take advantage of the situation and just talk about... About how the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast is proud to be podcasting about this fifth and final season of the TV show Fringe? Oh, I'm sorry if at this moment when the universe is collapsing, I forgot the magic word. For magic word, you meant FringeCastingPodcast.com, right? Well, let's not jump to conclusions. I'm not. I don't really know what to say. It's all right, Olivia. You go ahead and fight the baldies with Etta out on the fringe, and I'll remind our friends to check out the Fringe Casting Podcast at FringeCastingPodcast.com. Now, I'm off to get my co-host Dan out of some amber. Thank you for your attention, and have a nice day. And egg sticks.
are back. We are back, and Miles, we have some shattered records here. Yeah, Walking Dead continues to just um, you know kick butt and take names. Right. So tell us what? How bad did it kick butt and take names last night? So last season, Walking Dead opened and closed its second year with a record-setting numbers for a basic cable drama. Now the season three numbers are in, and they're enough to make even the broadcast shows quake with fear. Interesting. Yeah. Last night, the third season premiered Seed, racked up to uh, 10.9 million viewers and a powerful 5.7 demo rating. When you factor in the encore showings last late last night, the episode was seen by more than 15 million people. And that's holy Hannah. Yeah. Network ratings don't get that high, rarely. No, no, rarely they don't. They do. And that's not even counting the people who recorded it to watch later. Yeah, that's me. Downloaded yeah. to watch later. Mm-hmm. A, a number, a, a number second only to primetime football viewership. On that night. Yeah, pause this thing. Yeah, if you're wondering how that stacks up to last year, it's about a 50% increase in viewers from the kickoff of season two. In terms of ratings, the episode has eclipsed the season two finale as one of the highest rated basic cable dramas in the 18 to 49 demo ever. Surpassing surpassing the final the finale demo score by a full point. We were expecting the show to post gains, but this is just freaking ridiculous. I put freaking in there. Though we've just got a few more premieres on the rise in the upcoming weeks, The Walking Dead's definitely got our top vote for the most impressive view for 2012-2013 so far. they got to be having a party over at AMC right now. Oh, my, yes. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. and who wouldn't be? Those are huge gains. I haven't heard stuff like that happening in a long time. I, I haven't either. I mean, um, the... I mean, typically, you know, the first season gets, the first episode gets high gains and it kind of tapers down a little mm-hmm. bit, but Walking Dead has increased. Yeah, it's, it's one of those shows. Um, Zombies are just becoming freaking popular. Right. They're taking, you know, they're taking over for vampires. I mean, but yeah, it's just usually a show will draw, you know, after it keeps going, it'll not retain the viewership it had, but each season seems to like lose a little bit, but not with, the, not with Walking Dead so far. That is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you watched the first episode. I did. And, and did you feel it was better than any of the other episodes? I don't know if... Well, yeah, it was better because there was a lot more... I mean, it's, well, there's definitely a lot of things going on. Was uh, everybody shambling? It, it was shambling? Yeah, there was a lot of shambling going on. <laughs> um, you know, lurking, you know, walkers. Well, there was just a lot of walkers. So let's just say there was, you know... They were hard to avoid, right. uh, the, the walkers. And so got- one of the complaints with season two was that it moves so slowly. Right. Uh, how did this episode stack up? Did you have a fair amount of action in this episode? There was definitely a lot of action in this episode. There was defi- definitely... I don't want to spoil it here, obviously. Yeah, I don't want, but- right. But there was... Um, no, th- th- this episode, there was not... It was not real slow. I mean, it was... Um, it, it got to where it was going. Uh, now, who knows what the rest of the season will be like. I mean, now, now that they're where they are, um, well, we'll see. But they, they definitely have – there's a lot of zombies they have to deal with uh, before they can kind of uh, kick back. Very not, good. That, not that they ever could get just kind of kick back, but, right. I mean, uh, a lot of zombies got wasted this episode. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well – Thanks, Miles, for sharing mm-hmm. that. Let's move into our next story, and uh, we have a rumor. So it, it, it made the news, and as Scott has you know, said that these rumors have been fl- flying for a while, but hey, you never know. <laughs> we, we, we hold on to hope that maybe Firefly will come back in some form 
again. Hey, you know what? We always hope we would love to see Serenity flying again right. and uh, the Firefly ship just uh, take to the skies. And you know, the reality is that we would we would never see this live action with the original crew anymore. Too much time has passed. Right. You'd have to bring a new crew in. You know, maybe maybe discover Serenity abandoned fifty years in the future, mm-hmm. and somehow a crew gets sudden, but. To see it animated, I can see that because you can easily do voice work that would come close to the voices. Well, you could, and you could, they could probably have an easier time getting these actors together to do voice work as opposed to doing live action. Maybe. But e- I'm not easy, sure. Easier, I should Yeah, be. easier, yeah. So here's the story. Do you want to read the story sure. before I read it? Why don't you read it? Okay. Since, since you're the so, skeptic. Okay, I'm the skeptic. Mm-hmm. It's been nearly a decade since Fox canceled. <clears throat> Not that we're bitter. Firefly, the show's rabid following still hasn't stopped clamoring for more. We got a movie. We got the comic books. And a reunion special is on the way. But could we get something else? Could Firefly go animated? Just as they did in San Diego Comic-Con over the summer, Firefly cast members reunited in New York Comic-Con over the weekend to talk about the show's past and future. This time, it was a smaller group featuring only Nathan Fillion, Jewel Jewel State, and Sean, is it Mayer? Uh, but during their season, they ma- during their session, they managed to unleash a tidbit of maybe news that's liable to get brown coats everywhere in a tizzy. Mm-hmm. If we're dreaming, tell me what you think about this. Firefly, the animated series, Fillion said during the panel. Really? Could our beloved Serenity fly back into our screens as a cartoon? Or was Fillion just messing around? According to Mayor, the idea has actually been toyed with. I know somebody who's actually trying to get that done, who's approached Joss Whedon about it, Mayor said after the panel. He used to work with Guillermo de Toro. Just who is this person? Uh, might Just who this person might be remains a mystery for now, but this actually seems like a viable way to carry on the series without worrying about the ages of the characters. Plus, Voice acting takes less time for the cast. You don't have to build sets and coordinate locations, which could mean that even the always busy Fillion might make time to play a cartoon Mal and star in his hit series Castle simultaneously. Of course, it's just a convention rumor at this point, but what do you think? Could Firefly continue in the cartoon world, even with someone other than Whedon at the helm? Hmm. Thoughts? Oh, definitely. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, we didn't had other people write the episodes for, for, the, for the show, but I, as long as he gets, they get the right people who are, you know, on, who understand the show, who, who love the show, I, I see no reason why it wouldn't work. You know, it's true. I mean, Joss created the world, created mm-hmm. the characters that, that all the other writers kind of played with. And as long as we had some decent writers in there that are still giving us the snappy dialogue and mm-hmm. the the great stories that we got with the Peasley 13 episodes of Serenity, yeah. of which some never aired, you know, uh, I, you know I'd be all for it. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to see how the story would continue. So let me say this. I'm a skeptic about it actually happening. Mm-hmm. But if it does happen and it's done well, I think it could be really awesome. The question is, where do you think they would take the story, Miles? 
definitely sometime after the last movie. I don't know if they would go, um, you know, I don't know if they'd wait a couple years, but there's no reason why they couldn't just start from where the where the movie ended. Right. Well, you know, you're minus uh, Alan you, Tudyk and you're, yeah. mi- you're minus Shepard Book. Right. Um, yeah, that, that, would, that would be the, you know, that would be the hard part. Um, they always, you know, sort of bring those characters back in, like if they're doing memory. They can't, they can't bring they they can't bring River back. That's unfortunate because if they bring her back, the show will get canceled. That's just the way it is. <laughs> there you the, 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 <laughs> don't don't begin going on the summer cloud curse here. Yeah, the summer cloud curse. Come on, mm-hmm. um, you know. But uh, it, uh, to to her credit, it would be great to see her back. I'm oh, saying. definitely. Yeah. So, all right, well, great. Well, tell me a little bit about this Defiance trailer we're going to watch here in just a second. Well, I just I saw this earlier today. Uh, we, we talked about this before a few months ago about Sci-Fi Channel developing a Defiance as a, you know, there's a TV show and there's also going to be a, a, um, a game. So I saw the first trailer and uh, I thought the trailer looked really cool. So Yeah, and this is an interesting collaboration of both gaming and uh, TV and the gaming world affecting the outcome of the TV mm-hmm. series. And so I'm excited. I think January is when it's premiering. Is that right? Uh, actually, April. April, so a little bit later than yeah, that. We'll so we'll let's while. play the trailer for it and then we'll comment a little bit about it up on the on the flip side of this. Nine years after their arrival, when the destruction finally ran its course, it wasn't exactly Earth anymore. Something new had been created. You all know what to do. Defiant, coming this April, only on Sci-Fi. All right, so what are your thoughts on seeing this? Very impressive. Um, you, you get to see the Earth has definitely had a rough time of it, but you know, it reminds me a little bit after watching Revolutions. There's some clips in there that I'm saying, "Oh, this is kind of like Revolutions," mm-hmm. but only because of the. I think it's because of the arch and the degree. It, it kind of looks a little dystopian, I guess, or yeah. maybe not quite post-apocalyptic because I mean. It's definitely a futuristic world where they have spaceships and they have... Which is diff- certainly world. different than revolutions. Definitely, yeah. 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 So I guess the question becomes, are you looking forward to this? Are you going to check out the episodes? I mean, what's going on? Oh, I'll definitely watch the pilot when it first comes out. I well, definitely. you know, I mean, after all, Fringe will be off the air by that time, so we'll have a vacancy there. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of our other shows will be wrapping up in the... If, if not then, at least in the weeks to come. Walking mm-hmm. Dead will be off the air by that point. So we'll, we'll need a new show to you know, yeah, check so out. Yeah, so we'll need something to fill in the void, right? So, But this looks this looks interesting, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, very good. Thank you for sharing that, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Let's move into some movie news here. We, unfortunately, are going to have to wait a little bit longer for RoboCop, right? right. Why, why don't you tell us the story, Miles? So it's a bad day for sci-fi. Sony Pictures is pushing back two of its most anticipated releases, Robocop and Elysium. We'll have to wait a little longer for uh, Jose Padilla's remake and, and Neil Blomkamp's follow-up for his Oscar-nominated District 9. According to THR, Robocop has been delayed a year. Instead of debuting August 9th, 2013, it'll hit theaters February 7th, 2014. We're not sure why the movie 
uh, why the move was made, but but the extra six months would give the film ample time for post-production. After the shuffling schedule, Robocop's old release date has been given to Elysium. The film was originally slated for March 1st, 2013, and will now open August 9th. The film is set on a space station occupied by a very wealthy... Uh, uh, while the rest of the humanity lives on a ravaged, overpopulated Earth. Elysium stars Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, and, and Charlotte Copley. So what do you think of this schedule shakeup? Is it a good or a bad move? Well, yeah, uh, let, me, let me talk about this. First of all, I had heard rumors they were doing a sequel to District 9. Now, District 9 was that shoestring budget movie that ended up making them tons of money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now they get stars like Matt Damon, Jodie Foster. And right. Like, Come on, this is, this is going to be a blockbuster movie. And so... The fact that they moved this to an August date is actually, in my opinion, a good move. Because mm-hmm. I think, if I'm, re- I could be wrong, but I think District Nine premiered somewhere around that same time mm-hmm. and ended up being a mega hit. And I think here in the summer month, early August, this is a good move for Elysium, right? Oh yeah, uh, in my opinion. And RoboCop, I mean RoboCop, the last we had heard had just picked up a new director. I thought, is that mm-hmm. correct? Or someone, to... someone new at the helm of it. Mm-hmm. And so this just gives a little bit extra time for them to tighten the script a little bit. Yeah, so it, maybe, I don't know, maybe a good move. It just, now they won't, it was going to be a late summer release. Now it's going to be a you know winter release. Yeah, and so what does that say? Mm-hmm. I mean, do we care about movies that come out in February? I don't know. Right. I mean, um, it does take it out of the uh, summer blockbuster cycle. That that it does. Um, it's not hitting the Christmas cycle. So, does that say that the studio doesn't quite have the faith in it, or is it is it giving enough time? It's not that the movie can't do well. It's just mm-hmm. not yeah, in prime position. Yeah, I would just still think that when you release a movie, is almost as important as the movie itself. I think um, so. Uh, we'll see. It's going to be a while yet. Yeah. Well, uh, in other movie news, we, of course, have Bond. Yes. Coming out in uh, beginning of November, right? hmm Is it November 6th? I'm just pulling it out. I thought that's what it was said, but I could be uh, wrong about it. Let me see. It probably tells me right here. And uh, I don't have it here. But, um, November 9th. November 9th comes out in uh, both in regular theaters and IMAX. And in 3D. No, I just added that. It's not in 3D, <laughs> thankfully. Um, but we got two trailers, and we're going to play one of them here. But, Miles, are you a Bond fan? I have enjoyed the James Bond movies in the past. I love them. Uh, I didn't They're see... a guilty pleasure for me. I didn't see Quantum of Solace yet, though. No, that's fine. You don't have to see Quantum Oh, okay. <laughs> in, in, here, in my opinion, it was probably... It was probably... Give me a second here. Stepping away from the microphone. It was pro- it was probably one of the my least favorite of the Bond movies. Okay. I know there are people that swore by it, but Casino Royale, hands down, was much better. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I, did, I did see Casino Royale, but yeah. Well, let's play the trailer for Skyfall here, and I'm excited about it. It looks interesting. Yeah, so I'm gonna play the second one. I don't even know what it's like, so we'll find out here. What do you say about a man like that? Three months ago, you lost the drive containing the identity of every agent embedded in terrorist organizations across the globe. I made a judgment call. There isn't much road left. Take the bloody shot. (laughs) 
007 reporting for duty. Where the hell have you been? Enjoying death. I only have one question. Why not stay dead? There's no shame in saying you've lost a step. I'm your new quartermaster. You must be joking. Also PPKS 9mm short. It's been coded to your palm print, so only you can fire it. Less of a random killing machine, more of a personal statement. Q. 007. I want to meet your employer. Be careful what you wish for. Mr. Bond. James Bond. How much do you know about fear? All there is. Not like this. Not like him. Just look at you. Chasing spies. England. The Empire. MI6. So old-fashioned. She sent you after me, not when you're not ready, not when you would likely die. Mommy was very bad. The two survivors. This is what she made us. Everybody needs a hobby. So what's yours? Resurrection. Miles, what do you think of the James Bond trailer here? It definitely has my interest peaked. I don't know if I'd see it in theaters, but um, I, but I, but it has my interest peaked probably more than Quantum of Solace did. You know, I you know I did see the last two Bonds in theaters, but I the rest of them I think I saw them on video, and I think they're just as fine fun there. Oh yeah, and they're really good popcorn fun movies. Nothing too deep that you're looking for in Bond, right? Um, Just some good action, maybe some good one-liners. And, and some great technology. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Which, by the way, did you see that they're coming out with a, a, a hover vehicle, a, a water vehicle that also can drive on land? It can go about 45 miles an hour? I, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so that is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'm for it. All right, well, let's move in to this week in Star Trek. All right, so this week in Star Trek... Um, Will Wheaton and LeVar Burton are going to guest star again on Big Bang Theory. Short but sweet, but sweet news. Turns out that in an upcoming episode of the Big Bang Theory, Sheldon is making a new Fun with Flags webisode, this time focusing on the flags of Star Trek. While it's not actually clear how Will and LeVar will play into it, we're guessing we won't be disappointed. This newest Star Trek heavy episode is currently scheduled to air November the 8th. And so... Uh, I can't. I can't wait. Whenever Will Wheaton is on Big Bang Theory, it's it's always good. And uh, Lavar Burton's one appearance on there, what was pretty funny too. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, and I did see that one. I did oh. see that clip. Mm-hmm. That's probably the only Big Bang I watched. Okay, was that clip there? So, mm-hmm. but you're excited about this? Oh yeah, definitely. Will Wheaton has made the circuits before, and so uh, he's no surprise. Lavar Burton maybe a little bit more of a surprise bringing him back on. You think? I, I am too, but I'm just thinking probably the, the the first one he was on went went so well that uh, he uh, you know they they probably want him back. I, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hey. Here's to hoping it turns out well, and we'll be excited about it. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah. 
Um, so I believe that's about it. You don't have any other Star Trek news this week? Not not a lot in Star Trek news right now. So yeah, all right. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing what you shared. Um, yes. We have a uh, a promo we're going to give you. And what's this promo for that we're going to be talking about? This is for uh, the Trekcast uh, podcast. Um, uh, Dave, Alicia, and Darren are, are the co are the hosts of that podcast. They've been doing it for a couple years now. Um, take a lighter side to Star Trek, uh, but it's a it's a good fun podcast. I've listened to it for, since. Uh, since 2009, and um, so if, if you're looking for a good, fun, um, maybe lighter side of Star Trek, uh, th- th- this is this is for you. You know, see, it's like, hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built up mid-21st century civilian clothing. Well, next time you see a guy that looks like Wolverine, poke me. Cocktail. Highball and cocktail. Highball and cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. You're listening to TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast, www.trekcast.com. Listen to TrekCast. It'll save your virtual life. And we are back. Well, in a moment, we are going to share an interview that we did with Mackenzie Mason. Yes. And, um, Miles, did you ever play any of the Halo games? I can't say that I have. Um, I'm, I've enjoyed playing video games, but the older I get, I, I just don't have as much time. So yeah. um, I don't know if I'll have a chance to check this out or not. But uh, but I was very interested. I mean, this, this, what, what she was talking to us about, she'll talk about more of the interview, but this... Uh, this this capture performance, which yeah, is yeah, the, the stuff they used in Avatar, right? Avatar and uh, Tron Legacy, and so she she's doing this sort of thing, right. um, and, she, and, she, and she plays Cortana. Uh, yes, at, at, and, excuse me, wipe the drool, wipe the drool. Um, <laughs> if you were familiar with who she is, um, you've obviously played Halo. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and she, as we said earlier, is not hard in the eyes. So we are excited to bring this uh, to you. So we're gonna put a little trailer here and then leap right into the interview. Sound good? Yes. All right, very good. Affirmative. Setting a waypoint for infinity. Let's go. We need to move. 
switching visor. talking with you. Um, we do want to talk about uh, your, your work on Halo 4, but uh, we'd like to learn a little bit more about you and, 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 and what you've done. Um, please tell us how you got into acting. Um, well, you know, I feel most actors always are actors, and uh, that's definitely true for me. I um, was always uh, making movies with my friends and um, in school productions, and um, when I graduated high school, I kind of made the decision that it was going to be my my life choice, so um, I chose a school, USC, um, to come to LA um, and study there, so that I could do acting simultaneously. So um, I was doing a lot of commercial work um, and student film while I was there, and then I graduated and I started um, doing indie indie feature films and TV appearances and. Uh, you know, not not too many. Um, you know, I had a handful, and then and then uh, about a year and a half ago, I, I got the Halo gig. So awesome! That was exciting. <laughs> that is exciting. <laughs> now, now you you have been around the globe, literally. I mean, you were born in the Philippines, at least according to your IMDb page. Lived in Puerto Rico, Germany, Virginia, San Diego. What gives? Yeah, uh, my mom was um, a judge. She was a lawyer in the Navy, so we uh, got a lot for two years. We were on the road, so by my junior year of high school, and four high schools alone, so um, it was pretty crazy. I get a little, I get a little crazy these days. Um, <laughs> being in LA for seven years now, I'm like, you know, starting to itch. So it's really <laughs> nice when I get a project that gets me on the road because that's sort of my gypsy nature. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you uh, did you do you speak any other languages because of living in these other countries, or is it mostly stuck to the naval bases? Well, I spoke Tagalog um, until I was like five or six. Um, um, I had a nanny that that I would speak with, and then she left, so I kind of lost it, um, unfortunately, and then. You know, I spoke Spanish because I lived in Puerto Rico and I was five, so I spoke Spanish and then I lost that. Well, I mean, I still speak. I'm like, I'm pretty good at Spanish. I studied it all in uh, school and everything and in college. And um, and while I was in Germany, I was in high school, so I, I, spoke, I spoke enough German to get me around town. But as you can imagine, I haven't been using it that frequently here, so uh, that's kind of dwindling as well. I guess I'm just not really good at upkeeping my skills, but I definitely have had them at one point. <laughs> okay. Well, I, was just, okay. I, I was just curious more than anything, because I mean, that's kind of fascinating, living in all these countries and all these places. Sometimes people pick them up, and sometimes they don't. And it makes sense that, you know, once you move to a new location, if you aren't using it, you kind of lose it. So. Right. Um, now, right. now you are, uh, you're a self 
I have to ask this. Um, you're a self-proclaimed bookworm. What what do you enjoy reading? Or like, what's on your Kindle? What's in your Nook? What's in what's in your bookshelf right now that you're in? I love fantasy and uh, and and sci-fi type um, books. Um, I really got into the Hunger Games a few years before um, it became um, as crazy as now. So that kind yeah. of um, you know adventure and and uh, and excitement. Um, I also I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put a topic on it, really those like teen um, teen adventure novels. Okay. Um, but then I also have you know like dragon tattoo mysteries, thrillers. Um, uh, I read a lot of books um, a numerous times. Uh, my favorite book is Rebecca, which is so much nineteenth century um, woman's literature book that Hitchcock uh, did a film in in '39, which actually is one of my favorite movies as well, because as you can imagine, he did it very well, and Lauren was in it, so um, it kind of just, it, it ranges, you know, and I like, uh, I, not really historic books, but um, uh, I read a couple of those, Unbroken is a really great one um, about an Olympic runner who was, um, the plane crashed um, during World War II and was held captive um, in a Japanese camp. And uh, so those, you know, I think, I think anything that keeps you on your toes, I, I'm open to reading about everything. Yeah, well that, that runner, I just actually heard that story of that guy. That's an incredible story of just this power of survival and forgiveness through all that. Incredible story. Yeah, I think they even did a Shark Week special on it because he was, uh, him and two of his other um, fellow pilots were, on a raft um, right. for like 45 days or something. Insane. insane. And then sharks were attacking them a lot. So it was a good Shark Week <laughs> special if you like that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge Discovery Channel person. And um, I, I like learning, you know, like Egypt. I, mean, I really just like learning things. Uh, it's really interesting. And I think it, it really broadens your, your view on, on the world and life. And then it really helps you connect to a lot of different people. So I think that might be something that I, um, that I developed growing up having a, to move around a lot. Um, so I kind of, I kind of take pleasure in, in learning, um, new cultures and ideas and things. Awesome. So it was really fun for me to do the Halo thing because I got to learn, you know, that's a whole world in itself that I, that I was able to familiarize myself with. Yeah, absolutely. So before, before you got involved with Halo 4, did you play Halo at all? Um, would you consider yourself a gamer? Um, yeah, I uh, I played I played Halo One. Um, you know when it first came out, it was such a huge thing. Um, and then I think I sort of skipped over too. I think that was when I was overseas. I was in was kind of removed from that world. And then and then Halo Three, I played a bunch. Um, I don't know if I'm a gamer. I mean, I I, I people ask that feel. I feel like I don't want to undermine the severity that that word means for people that actually are gamers and that, you know, that that's a big part of their lives and something that, that's a huge passion with them. I play it. I enjoy it. Um, I don't know if I play it enough to be considered a gamer. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people could kick my ass in the game. So, um, so maybe a casual gamer. Yeah. A casual gamer. I'm a casual gamer, but you know, I was a huge, I was a huge 90s gamer. I was a Super Nintendo gal and Super Mario Brothers and 
and that stuff. Um, so, you know, I, I sort of grew up in the, in the era of video games becoming becoming uh, mainstream. So, um, I, I, you know, they're, they're a part of my, my childhood and, and uh, something that I still think is, is, is part of my life today, definitely, so... Yeah. If that if that's a gamer, then I am definitely a gamer. <laughs> so as long as we have that qualification there, we can go ahead and say that then, right? So um, <laughs> now for, for for people that maybe for some of our audience, I mean, people have obviously heard of Halo. It's it's hard to not to live in America and to live in this culture not have heard of Halo. Um, but for those that might be uninitiated in the world of Halo, can you give us just a little bit of a premise for the Halo universe? Um, and maybe kind of tie that in and then to where Halo 4 is going. Um, That's like a big universe. Halo? I just kind of dropped it on your yeah, lap there. It's, <laughs> it's a, it's a, well, yeah, I mean, there's so much information, kind of like you know, Star Wars has so much um, history and, and, and a richness to it. So Halo, Halo's like that with all, you know, and I haven't read all of the books and all of the um, materials um, all of them full, you know, from front to um, back. But, um, you know, it's mostly uh, Master Chief. Um, his name is John, and, and he's a, a half-human. I mean, he was a human, but he was made into um, sort of a, a superhuman um, machine um, to defend the world, to defend Earth um, against all these evils that um, tried to, to erase the, the human race. And... Um, Cortana is his um, AI that was made um, by Halsey, who, who created John as well, um, uh, to to help him and guide him and kind of, you know, is, is his rock and his center. And, and I think that the other, the Halos, um, the first three were, you know, Cortana was a part of it, but uh, it was, you know, still John's story. And I think that for Halo 4, this, this becomes... The Kana, um Master Chief's love story and um, relationship really, really takes more of a of a front role, and uh, there's a lot of lot of history between them, and I, and I think that there's a bigger connection that um, fans are going to be able to to grasp. I think it's something that's always intrigued people, so this is definitely going to give you a lot more insight into their uh, into their love. It's it's such a strange thing, you know, between a half, half human, half machine, and then a computer. So it's definitely, it's definitely has its roadblocks. But um, there's a lot of there's a lot of power um, there, and it's uh, I think people are really gonna hopefully really feel it because that you know my, my job was was to kind of portray that um, that relationship. So if I did it well, then people should people should really connect. Awesome. Well, you know, Cortana has been kind of rated as being one of the uh, one of the greatest female characters in video games, and it's kind of uh, has to be kind of daunting to come in there and try and uh, fill those shoes. You know, after after three or four Halos have come before. She's pretty badass. <laughs> and and as you can imagine, when I learned um, about this part, it was it was sort of like, well, is this a joke? Are you sure this is insane? I can't believe it just, you know, kind of, I mean, I worked really hard for it, but it kind of came to me organically. And um, 
uh, I'm really, I feel like we're so similar. Um, so it was really, it was really great for me to be able to play that. And I, because, you know, it is the start of a new trilogy and the storyline, um, has changed and, and progressed that I was able to sort of start her, um, new in a way. Different. I think if you pick up something in the middle of a trilogy, you have to kind of keep it consistent. But I think there was a lot of freedom for me to, to bring, uh, breathe a new life into her. And, uh, so that was, that was great. And then, you know, right. So she becomes I to kind of drop it and, and let myself, uh, bring my, my own twist to it. <laughs> awesome. So she becomes much more of a central character into the role of Halo 4. Does she, is she a playable character then? Um, no, she's still the, she's still the, uh, I mean, she's her eyes and ears, so when, essentially right. if you're playing Master Chief, you're playing her, because right. her, she pops up, and you really can't do anything without her, um, you know, she's kind of essentially dying, so there's a, that's, along with, obviously, you know, the evil that's fighting. Right. Um, all that good stuff. Right. So, there's the underlying story. So this is the um, this is uh, really the first in a in a in a new trilogy of of of, of Halo games that'll be coming out. And uh, is that correct to say? Right. Yeah. 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 It's the three, right. four, five, and six. And right. Four. So did they did they do all the the film work for them and all all your all your body work was that all done for the three games or is that all is is we do one game now and then these other games are up and coming for you. Yeah, no, it's all one at a time. I mean, it took us about ten months of shooting um, wow. to do it all. Um, in and in, in increments, uh, three, four, three would fly down from Seattle, and uh, and we would have our, our shoot weeks. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a full full scale production of of you know a lot of a lot of people involved, a lot of a big team, and, and a lot of actors. So um, you know, I, I don't know. If, People mostly aren't familiar with performance capture, but it's it's quite a problem. Well, I know I was just looking. I was looking at that gear on your head. I mean, you have this huge gear on your head with microphones and then dots on your head as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yeah. that? Um, well, basically, so it's a huge stage, um, you know, the size of a warehouse, really, and uh, there's there's a part that's that's sectioned off. Um, there's about 500 cameras in it get um, every angle of you, uh, you know, so like your hip bone and your knee and behind the knee and your wrist and your shoulders and on your back and um, everything to kind of pick up the natural movements of your, of your body. Um, and then the face dots are there because that's going to capture, you know, uh, previous games of Cortana talked, you know, they kind of just moved her lips with the, pre with the program. But this is going to be everything you see is me. So, you know, if she raises her eyebrow, that's, I did that. Or, you know, her lips moving, those are my lips. And uh, so it's more, it's a lot more human. I mean, you're, and, and, and every other um, actor that you see in the cinematics before each level, um, you're going to see the cinematic, and those were real people doing exactly what you're seeing. You know, because because I was able to do it, and uh, as a regular person, you know, I, you know, you kind of touch yourself, you grab your 
grab your arm or, or you know, you touch your face or all of that stuff. So she has all a lot. I think people might, you know, be surprised by the movements that, that she has because um, I was really bringing a, a humanistic appeal to her. And the helmet that you wear, um, it's a head rig, and, and on the front is a camera that's, you know, like three inches from your face. So, so there really is no hiding. I mean, they get every angle of it. And then the the amazing thing about performance capture is that um, you can't piece together a scene. So the scene has to be shot from start to finish perfectly. And then they can use any angle in that take from the 500 cameras that are there, um, but they can't piece together like you would in a regular movie. You can't edit um, a close-up and, you know, an over-the-shoulder and all, and all those, those things that you can't have in a movie. So, so you're going to see a great performance from start to uh, that's all so it's pretty insane and really really cool this technology it's still pretty new though I mean it, I think we've only seen only a few movies that shot like this I mean I'm thinking of Avatar and Tron Legacy maybe uh, right how long does it take for you to get into that all that into the, uh, well for lack of a better word it's not, it's not a costume but the, all, all your gear for, for before you get ready to go shooting you slip it on and you zip it up and then uh, and then um, you know you have the team that puts the, the sensors on where they go so that probably takes you know 20 minutes um, and then the face the faces takes a long time because the dots have to be in the same exact spot every time um, <laughs> or or you know the, the computer's going to register as a different face so hmm. so there was a mask made for me and uh, every morning I'd put that on and then they would uh, they would do kind of a rough draft of the dots um, on my face and I would have to go to the computer, put the head rig on and make sure that they all lined up perfectly from the day before. And then then they would take, it was really essentially a latex neon reflective paint of as, as the final dot. So those were, you know, those were a bitch to get off every day. Um, so it was an equal process to, to get out of the costume as it was to get in. Yeah. Now, was that but, a? Uh, yeah. I was just going to ask: Was that a? Was it a difficult process to go from maybe more traditional acting into doing something like this? I mean, how hard is that for you to adjust with running around with a rig in your head and just used to acting in a, in other ways? Okay. Um, I I think that um, performing and, and performance capture is is so much more honest than than movie um, acting because, I mean, at least for me, because when I, you know, when you're on a, on a movie set or on a TV show and, you know, you have to worry about the lights and the camera, where's the camera and, you know, play, you're sort of playing to the camera more than, more than to the person in the scene. There's so many things, so many artificial things you have to worry about. And, uh, and for, for performance capture, once you get past, you know, the foreign of, of having a heavy head rig on and and um, the metal and then their constricting suit, you you really just get to strip down to to just doing an honest scene of, of you know two people or three people or however many people it was um, to just to just acting and being being there without having to worry about anything you know like when you're having a conversation with your friend you're not thinking where's the camera you know this is a good angle where's my light all those things you just you just get to see, and uh, I found that actually very 
very refreshing and, and, and one of my favorite parts about this whole process is that it was just so honest and real and uh, I was really grateful for that. Well, awesome. Do you want to ask a question? Yeah. Sure. Um, so, um, when will Halo 4 be out? And um, uh, and how, how can people find out more about Halo 4? Um, well, it's November 6th. Um, so it's coming up. Um, it's been a bit of a long time since I first found out about this, but almost two years. So, I'm really excited. Um, I've been able to talk about it now for a few months, so been hard to bite my tongue <laughs> um, and um, you know there's so many there's so many forums and, and and halo you know there's a halo nation website and um, 343 has a great you know halo waypoint has all the um, the latest information and, and all of the I mean there's so many people have blogs I you just google it I mean there's it's, it's endless really and it's, actually, it's really exciting because you can and there's always something to learn about it. So I'm just so excited for people, for the game to come out, so that, you know, I can, there's so much I have that I can't tell you, that it's like, you know, you just want to geek out and just kind of talk about <laughs> I bet there's all a, I the, bet. the keyholes and, and uh, exciting levels and, and the, the, you know, the awesome challenges that, that they're going to face. So I think people are, you know, I think they're really going to like it. I mean, I hope, I hope that they, I hope they do. I hope they see the, you know, the hard work that was put into it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't imagine the NDA that you're under, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. It's like, it was basically say nothing. <laughs> you can't say anything. So, you know, a lot of my friends were like, "You have a, are you a drug dealer? Because you go to work a lot and you don't tell anyone what you're doing. Right. Um, so, so, yeah. So once I was able to tell them, my, my name was cleared and now I'm, I got my street cred back. Right, 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 and and maybe even some credibility, you know, in there, like some, you know, maybe it, maybe it upped them in your eyes or up to you in their eyes a little bit. But that's oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm cool factors definitely, definitely <laughs> Awesome, awesome. Now I guess the question becomes: Are are you going to pick up a game and play, or what's that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, what's it going to be like? I, I, can't, I can't imagine, like, getting on the video game and, hey, I'm going to play myself, you know? Oh, man. I mean, I'll let you know what happens. Right. Did, have, you, have, you, have, you been, have you been able to play any advanced copies of it or not that you can tell us? No, and you know, it's, it's gone gold already, and, I, and I'm just, like, checking the mailbox, like, hey, where's my copy? <laughs> um, so... Uh, I've seen I've seen the cinematics almost done, you know, a couple months ago. So I haven't seen anything, any of the more final final touches. But I mean, everyone's telling me it's looking great. Um, awesome. awesome, on the on the uh, production side. So well, I can tell you the cinematics I've watched look phenomenal. The, the ones they've released on online look great. So yeah, well, thank you. So yeah, it's. Uh, you're in for a ride. Do you play? Are you a, are I, you a Halo fan? I, I, I played number one. I played uh, some of Reach, and uh, that's it. Uh, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't play a lot anymore. I played more, but now that my kids are here, I uh, don't have as much time. So, <laughs> but, Yeah. But well, I, I will probably play some. Them and you will, you will love more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, 
thank you so much for joining us tonight. We really appreciate you coming on the show, Mackenzie, just talking about Halo 4, and we just can't wait for it to come out. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for you guys. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> tonight is a sci-fi five and five before we go Mm -hmm. and this is a sci-fi five and five from none other than our good friend wayne henderson from the fringe casting with wayne and dan podcast and so he sent this to me and it's on top five philip k dick stories good okay well stories movies let's see what he has to say hi scott and miles Wayne Henderson here from the Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan podcast with a Sci-Fi Diner Top 5 and 5. This time I'm bringing you the top five movies made from books or short stories written by Philip K. Dick. So I wanted to go ahead and share those with you. Now, at number five, I'm going to put in the original Total Recall based on the story We Can Remember It For You Wholesale. And most folks really love this film. Me, not all that much other than it really did help create more Philip K. Dick fans. And on the other hand, it is tons better than some of the other PKD adaption movies out there like Next, Paycheck, and Screamers. Those were not so good. I'm trying to bring myself to uh, rent the Colin Farrell remake to uh, see how that fares. It's one of those things where it's like a Philip K. Dick movie remake? We'll have to see. Now, coming in at number four, I'm actually going to reveal this one at the very end of the segment, so stay tuned for that. At number three, I would say The Adjustment Bureau, based on the Philip K. Dick short story, The Adjustment Team, is the third best movie made from a Philip K. Dick story. I'm sure this could almost be classified as a Philip K. chick flick movie, but it's so well done. Matt Damon does a really good job in this movie, and it was fairly successful. Uh, Philip K. Dick created these adjustment team watchers, by the way, long before Fringe and The Observers came out. Just saying. So a date night movie, The Adjustment Bureau, would be a good one to introduce uh, your loved one into the Philip K. Dick universe if they haven't seen some of these others. Now at number two, Minority Report. In addition to being only one of two Tom Cruise movies that I even like, the other one being Vanilla Sky, which basically is a Philip K. Dick movie, but not officially, um, not only is Minority Report the most faithful adaptation of a Philip K. Dick story that's been done to date, but it's very well done, very well acted, and downright creepy. If you have not yet seen Minority Report, you owe it to yourself to rent that one this weekend. Very well done and very close to the original short story. They fleshed it out quite nicely. Now, the number one movie 
made from a Philip K. Dick book or short story is Blade Runner. Yes, it's an obvious choice, I know, but it's an accurate one. Let me tell you why. You know, it's based on about 50% of the book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? So, of course, you should read that book and get the full 100% story, the whole thing. There's a lot going on in that book. Blade Runner really does hold up well over time. And sure, you know, it's not an action-packed movie, but Blade Runner is definitely one of the most influential science fiction movies ever made. It also finally put Philip K. Dick on the map as a science fiction visionary, and with a treasure trove of great books that are almost all ahead of their time, these are going to give people tons of stuff to look into to make cutting-edge movies for decades to come. However, it's kind of sad to note that Philip K. Dick himself died before Blade Runner was finished, but he did see rough cuts of a lot of the footage from the film and was actually happy with it, which is saying a lot considering how Philip K. Dick felt about mainstream Hollywood. And you can get a gist of his feelings just from reading some of his other books. And I'm still patiently waiting for the movie studios to come to their senses and make, or at least finish the ones they've started, some of these other good movies out of Philip K. Dick's best novels. I recommend you read, you know, if you want to really delve into some mind-blowing stuff, read Ubik. That one's supposedly in production yet again, but it's been off and on with various people over the past 20 years, so I'll believe it when I see it. Ubik is fantastic. Flow My Tears, the policeman said, is rumored to have been bought by a company to look into be made, being made into a film. So keep your eyes out for Flow My Tears, the policeman said. They may change the title. We'll see. Also, be sure to read Philip K. Dick's The Vallis Trilogy of books. Amazing stuff there. The Man in the High Castle. Now, this is a great award-winning Philip K. Dick book, The Man in the High Castle. This one I'm putting in at number four. It's currently being made into a BBC TV miniseries, which, you know, at first doesn't give you a lot of faith, but it's being directed by Ridley Scott. He did quite a good job with Prometheus as well as Blade Runner. So just based on those things alone, I am almost positive that the Man in the High Castle, the TV miniseries, when it comes out next year, is going to instantly move into at least the number four spot on the list. And the one other book that you want to read that uh, not really recommended for young audiences, it's total insanity wrapped up into a book, is The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. That one should not be the very first Philip K. Dick book you read, but after you read a couple and you get a feel for uh, what he's doing and how he's doing it, check out The Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldridge. Mind-blowing book. Definitely. Thanks for listening. This is Wayne Henderson from the Fringe Casting Podcast. Going to turn it back over now to Scott and Miles for the rest of another awesome episode of the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, uh, so uh, what do you think of that list? Uh, I think it's a good list. I'm not up on my Philip K. Dick. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't read anything. I mean, no, except uh, of his, except seen the, a lot of the movies that he, he uh, mentioned. Um, but it's something I, I, I probably will eventually. I would agree with his list for mm-hmm. the most part. I mean, Blade Runner, by all means, needs to come in at number one. No doubt. Um, and definitely Minority Report. I have watched that movie numerous times and have enjoyed it. You saw Minority I Report. I did see it in yeah, theaters, so yeah. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was a very good movie. And um, 
Uh, he mentioned a to- not total re- to- total recall was there, but that he that was his number five. Yeah, and we we talked about that one before. What was his number two? Number two um, adjustment bureau. Yes, yes, I, and that, that one that one probably of all of the Philip K. Dick uh, movies is my favorite. Okay, not because it's the most impacting, mm-hmm. uh, but it is my favorite of them. Mm-hmm. See, I would agree that it's number two because Blade Runner has to be number one. Definitely, yeah, but. Yeah, and I did. Unlike you, I did read some of the short stories, but I and I have Ubik, mm-hmm. but I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. So I think I started and didn't finish. Okay. So, but but you know, if anyone's going to share us, uh, information with us about Phil Cape Dick, it's going to be Wayne because he's an absolute fanatic. Interesting. Yeah. So thank you, Wayne, for sending that in, and we look forward to hearing more of your fringe casting with Wayne and Dan coming down the pike. You heard the promo for that earlier. And I believe that's it, Miles. We should skedaddle, get out of here, and uh, clean up the diner a little bit before we have to uh, you know, open up tomorrow. Okay. Well, so. till next time, good night and good luck. And we will see ya. Actually, let's re-record the ending of that. Um, and let's uh, give them some info as far as where they can find us. Right. <laughs> so, well, Miles, we got to get on out of here, skedaddle, clean up the diner, and get ready for uh, to serve up patrons tomorrow a little That's bit. That's right. Um, before we go, where can people find out more about the diner? Well, we have our own main website, Sci Fi Diner Podcast. Um, That's a dot com. And dot com. you can just Google us. We're there. Mm-hmm. And uh, please join us on our Facebook page. Uh, we have a very thriving uh, community there. We're talking about all kinds of things that we're watching and reading. Yeah, don't go to the forums. Link's up there, but no one ever. You know. Yeah, the Facebook page seems to be the place. Uh, it is go. the place. It's mm-hmm. a place where people are going, at least right now. We realize that's not great. If someone really wants to take over moderating the forums, I'm all to hand that over. Just email me, let me know. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that I have time to do right now. That's what it comes right. down to. Me neither. Moderate. Yeah. So busy, 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 busy. But we appreciate everyone that's joined in the community. And if you want to give your thoughts on our interview or anything else that we talked about, just... Um, just contact us, and all the digits are there on the website. Yes. And uh, that's about it, Miles. Let's get out of here. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. 